You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Automating Chargeback Representment and features experts from Chargebacks 911. Okay, we'll we'll go ahead and get started. Um, It looks like we've got a pretty good audience today. Uh, My name is Jared Wright. I'm the VP of Marketing at Chargebacks 911, and I'm real excited to have Harlan Hudson, who is the Director of uh, Strategic Partnerships here at Chargebacks 911. Um, That is not actually uh, Harlan's photo. That was a little joke that we (laughs) did, and I was going to leave it that way, but then I I realized uh, it'd probably be better if you could see see his actual face, so I, uh, I included that as well. I think um, I like the other version, uh, Jim. <laughs> better, so. Um, so that's great, and we're going to get started. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully, we'll have some good content for you guys today. But before I get too far into this, I just want to go over at the top how this webinar is going to be structured. Um, Harlan and I kind of worked together this afternoon and yesterday on uh, a deck that's going to include some some uh, basic presentations, going to cover the topic that we're going to talk about today. And um, that part, you know, we've got some slides, so there's some visual elements to it. So if you can, um, you know, kind of give us your undivided attention, uh, close other windows and things like that while we're going over that stuff. The second part of the webinar, we're going to answer some of the Q&A that was submitted ahead of the webinar. Um, That portion will be less visual, so it's okay if you just want to listen to that part. Also, if you have any questions during the webinar, feel free to enter them into the chat box. If we're unable to get to any question before the end of this webinar, then um, we'll make sure to answer uh, by email after the webinar. Uh, Everybody always asks, so I'll just let you know, this webinar will be available for replay starting tomorrow. We don't always include all of the Q&A, so if um, you wanna make sure you get the most out of today's uh, event, uh, please make sure to stick around to the end. Uh, lastly, and um, if you're an audio learner, it's important that uh, um, you know that this webinar and other webinars that we've done in the past are going to be available on our podcasts. You can find that by searching Charge Forward with Chargebacks 911, however you get your podcasts. Um, this webinar should be up in around 30 days, and we like to let it cool off so that, you know, you, know, you good people that showed up for today's event don't... Uh, don't get discouraged. Uh, you guys are going to get a 30-day advantage on anybody else. All right. <clears throat> so those of you that have uh, attended a webinar that I've hosted before probably know that I like to start these with a dumb question. Um, now, Harlan and I go way back, so I've asked Harlan <laughs> pretty much every dumb question that I have. So I don't I don't really have um, a traditional dumb question, but uh, Harlan provided his deck to me yesterday for, for uh, today's webinar. and um, I got to tell you, Harlan, uh, I have a pretty dumb question. What, what is this? <laughs> uh, great, great question. And and uh, I, I'd love to know if, if somebody wanted to put something in the chat, if you had any idea real quickly here, that'd be great. I'd love to, to find out if there's anybody in the world that knows what this is. So uh, this is called a klepsudra. Klep? Sudra. And the topic of today's webinar is automation. And I wanted to make the point here, uh, and I did some research on this, and this is what is so fun. Mankind, humankind has been looking to automate processes for probably since time began, right? This particular 
device, right, is actually, it's actually a clock. And it was invented in 270 BCE by Tesbidius. I can't even pronounce it. It's got a lot of, I'll just say it's got a lot of, uh, how, uh, it's just got a lot of uh, syllables in it and I, I can't say it, but he was a Greek inventor and mathematician in Egypt and he came up with this water clock, right? Now it's a water clock that measures time and it in, I suppose, many ways replaced the sundial, which was probably a little bit of an unreliable uh, you know, device. But the way it worked, and the Romans improved on this later on, uh, it was a cylinder into which water dripped from a reservoir, and a float provided readings against a scale, a time scale, on the wall. So they were inputting something that would be the water, which responded by telling time. And so as we think about automation, right, we're going to start unpacking the idea of this is not a new thing. Automation is not a new thing. Uh, this particular thing lasted well into the 16th century when the, I think it was the mechanical clock, maybe even later was invented, but, but this type of device was one of the early examples of automation. So, so you, you're making the point that humans have been uh, trying to automate things for, for quite a long time. It's probably part of just our, our DNA. Correct. Correct. It's part of our DNA, and I think it's part of our adaptability to our circumstances, right? So if you think about how uh, life works, right, we want to reduce what? Labor. And that was, of course, more true in the more agrarian societies where, you know, it was backbreaking work. You had to break the ground. You had to put the seeds in. You had to do this. You had to, you know, raise the cattle, whatever it was, very physically demanding. So the, the, the purposes of automation often, often were directed, right, at how do I reduce my labor? How do I reduce the the you know sort of effects of labor on my body? Well, we've come a long way since then. We're going to talk about a few things like what are the systems, right? What are the types of systems, right? Uh, and the evolution started with an open loop, right? Open loop is just simply this: you have an input, and in this case, you can see the uh, the timer there, and you turn that timer and the heat is going to come on in your apartment. Regardless of a temperature, it's just going to keep blowing. That, that fan and the heat and all that is going to keep blowing until the timer runs out. That is an open loop system. It's not, it has no feedback mechanism, i.e. A, a sensor, uh, which would be an oven, right? So you might have an oven, in fact, we all have ovens, for example, that have timers, right, which would be one part of a closed loop system. But within the oven itself, it has a temperature sensor so that not only will the timer run out and shut the oven off just by closing a switch if it's elect electronic or, you know, some other mechanism, but also it will keep the temperature while it's on 
at a specific level. So that's a closed loop automation uh, process, right? It has both an input and it has a feedback loop, if that makes sense. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not an engineer. I don't pretend to be an engineer, but this is the most basic essence of what uh, the automation process is, right? There's an input, there's some sort of a uh, feedback loop, which creates other things along the way. Shutting off an oven is uh, one of those things. But I could also talk about something like an a ATM machine, which is on the screen here. Computers, they, they can perform both sequential control, right? So that idea of this happens, now this happens, now that happens, but then there's a feedback control, right? Did I get my pin right, right? How much did I ask for in the ATM? And do I have enough money? You know, all of that kind of thing is sequential. And then there's logic associated with it. An automated teller machine is an example of this. It's an interactive process. It's a way in which computers perform a logic derived response to a user selection. $250, $200, do I have enough? All that kind of stuff and it's gonna spit out a response. You don't have enough money so you can't have any, right? Or here's your money. And so it's a very, very uh, simple process that we can automatically take now to the, the idea of chargebacks, right? Now machine learning, right? And it, it is an enabled automation, right, that uh, grows over, and, and we're getting into a lot of neural, you know, computing and all kinds of very complex things, which is way above my pay grade, uh, Jared, just to let you know, I know you think that I'm brilliant at this, but <laughs> I, 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 actually, I, do, I do, I do think you're brilliant. Yeah, I, I actually don't know, right, how that all works. What I do know is that there are uh, you know, there are systems that require, uh, I'll, I'll call them monitoring, and there's a term for it, and I'm 63 years old, so I, I can't remember what the term is, but, but there's, a, there's a term for machine learning that is sort of monitored and, you know, input continually from human beings, et cetera, et cetera, and then there, there are self-learning systems as well, these neural, uh, you know, networks, and so machine learning enabled auto automation is a way that we have developed and evolved from that original open loop approach all the way through very complex uh, systems. So yeah, and, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting, you know, and I, I'd be curious to get your your um, your thoughts on this because you know machine learning and artificial intelligence. I mean, these are most of the companies that I'm aware of where I, you know we've I've gotten had the privilege to sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit and understand a little bit about how how they work. Really what they're talking about in most cases is really advanced computer controlled automation still. I think that there's a whole other level Correct. of machine learning and art, art, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, that's that's more than just being a buzzword that really is, you know, I'm sure that there's a, a basement in MIT where there's some amazing things going on, maybe over at Tesla, 
there there might be some some pretty cool stuff going on. But largely, when you talk about fraud and you talk about a lot of these things, uh, where most of the industry is, is in that con computer controlled automation that really complicated. You know, maybe maybe it has some autonomy and some some ability to make decisions based on um, changing input, but it it really isn't that um, you know set it and forget it, let it figure it out on its own. Uh, uh, evolving, uh, you know, artificial intelligence in most cases yet. Um, but that really is, you know, th these new, this new level of automation, this con computer controlled automation, all the way through the, the higher end of the spectrum of, you know, machine learning. Um, this really has enabled us in every industry, not just the chargeback industry, to, to be able to, 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 to really take automation to the next level. And we're able to automate things that, that we couldn't probably automate before, um, even yeah, a year or two ago. So, Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's 100% true. And I think, I think what's interesting about what you're saying there is you have inputs, data inputs, right? And you have, uh, so you have these, not just the data inputs, but the, the sequential operation of a particular uh, function, right? So, so if we take a payment for a example and if you looked at a swim lane uh document for example you would see that you know the card holder you know he he checks out of uh you know he makes it goes to the checkout page there's an authorization and you go through these steps so it's a sequential you know sort of op operation but then you have decision points right so you have decision points where it says oh he doesn't have enough money so no we're going to decline that transaction or we think it's fraud we're going to decline that you know, transaction, which mm -hmm. which really sounds like just an operation more than AI or, you know what I'm saying? It's just really coming to uh, decision points within the context of an operation, a withdrawal at an ATM, uh, you know, an authorization for a transaction, whatever it is. And then you mm -hmm. have this, I think, the, you know, the idea of a decision tree. The tree has different branches depending upon what is happening at that particular moment. And within the fraud uh, sort of uh, and chargeback community, uh, the pre-auth uh, fraud piece, and I'm not an expert in this, but again, you have inputs, you have assessments, and you have decisions, right? I think that's kind of a, a really simple way to look at it. Yeah, I, I, I think it is, you know, and I just, yeah, my, my main point that I like to make is, you know, that, just because somebody says that there's AI or there's machine learning, I mean, there's there's no FDA. <laughs> you don't need to get your your AI program approved so that you can call it AI. You know, somebody in the marketing department like me can just call it AI um, if they want. Right. Uh, right. So it's you know, so it's it's one of those things where I think, you know, I think we've been eager to adopt this this next level, um, but in most implementations. Um, the uh, the machine learning and the AI is, is is still probably better categorized as really advanced rule based decisioning, and th that's exactly correct. I would agree with most of it is. Again, yeah. there's a lot of leading edge, you know, sort of technology and these neural networks, and I don't need, you know, I, I can't even spell neural networks. So so <laughs> you know, that's kind of kind of out of the 
you know, the, the, the uh, scope of what we're trying to unpack today, but I think that we're going to see a lot more coming. So, so let's, let's really talk about the pros and cons. I mean, that, that, that's, that I think is the uh, re related to representments, chargebacks generally. I think that uh, why, why are chargebacks a candidate for this? Uh, I think this is this is a really interesting topic, right? Uh, first of all, I, I just want to, for those of you who manage chargebacks, you know this, that the dispute process is regulated by prescribed rules, processes, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm using some different terms than you probably, in, you know, used to hearing processes, inputs, responses, all those kind of things, because again, we want to think about automation, not about manual work, but, but it's a very prescribed process with rules and uh, specific, uh, let's say, compelling evidence rules where for this reason code, you're going to submit this type of compelling, all those kinds of things. So it's actually a very logical process even if it's frustrating or it seems as if it doesn't follow the logic or, or the decision, the ultimate decision doesn't follow the logic of the rules. And there's a big reason for that, which we'll get to in just a second. But bottom line is we, we automation is perfect for chargebacks. Why? Because it's tedious. There's a lot of sort of, if you're doing it manually, right? It's repeatable. I got to go to this system. I got to go to the American Express portal and I got to pull those disputes. I got to go to my processors portal for Visa MasterCard and I got to pull those and I've got to do this. I've got to get this. I've got to now go to my CRM. I've got to go to, you get the idea, right? So there's, there's a lot of repeatable, mundane, tedious tasks, right? That if done by a human being require actually quite a bit of, of uh, time. And so the FTE cost is fairly high, right? So these multiple systems, right, have to be accessed by a human being, right, which could lead to errors, right, could lead to errors, could lead to just growing tired. There's a lack of scalability, right? So chargebacks is a perfect, perfect, perfect place where we can start to talk about why is automation good in representments, right? Why is it good in the area of disputes generally i think because there's all of these problems associated with it so so i would say that that the pros of automating uh the dispute process is to automate really the collection gathering assessing sorting and uh compiling of, of documents and and reducing that that uh, manual process Process multiple systems, et cetera, et cetera. So that that's kind of the first place I would go. Does it does that make sense, Jared? Yeah, I think that makes sense. And actually, just to to add on to that, it's an interesting stat that came out of our chargeback field report that we released a few months ago. And we asked how many how many people are on the team that handle your representments, and then we also asked you know how many chargebacks you're receiving. And for the average merchant, I think for larger merchants, the the calculus was a little bit lower. But um, but for the medium sized merchants that were dealing with you know 100, 200, 300 chargebacks a month, um, you know one full time employee was able to handle less than 100 chargebacks. So you you could see how larger merchants, especially, are in a situation where if you do enough business, you're going to have to have you know, teams of people essentially to to handle all of these disputes and to do all of it. So you have to 
you have to handle training in between those individual people. And then you need, at a certain point, you're gonna have a manager and a project manager and, and different levels in there in order to, to maintain quality control with that many, that many humans. Um, now, the opposite of that is, you know, if you don't have a human involved, uh, the, there's a whole other area of sort of liability. And I, and I guess, you know, we'll, we'll go to the next slide and we'll sort of talk about that. But one of the main reasons why it's important to have, or one of the, the main consequences of over-automating your chargebacks is that um, we, when you represent a chargeback, when you send that paperwork to the uh, issuing bank, ultimately, they share that paperwork with their customer if the if the chargeback is overturned. Uh, that's something I think a lot of merchants don't know or sort of underappreciate. But if you think about the the kind of person, uh, not the person that's committing malicious friendly fraud, but the unhappy customer that just didn't want to go through the hassle of returning it or that for whatever reason filed a chargeback because they were angry about um, your product or service or you know just sort of um, abusing the chargeback situation, but they're an unhappy customer who's abusing the chargeback situation. When, yeah, when that I, chargeback is overturned, they get that paperwork in. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be upset, um, and they're going to be looking through that paperwork with a fine tooth comb to make sure that all of that information is correct, that all the the T's are uh, crossed and I's are dotted. And if 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 it's a purely automated solution, or if you've over relied on automation, then then you have the potential for pulling inaccurate stuff, getting order IDs wrong, doing all of these things, if any of the systems that are connected are not communicating properly. Uh, and that's something that can happen at a, at a scale very fast. Uh, and then you'll have, um, uh, and Harlan, you could talk about this a little bit, but the issue with second chargebacks is something I think, right. you know, when you talk to a merchant, how often do they even know what their second chargeback rate is? Yeah, no, they, they don't know. So look, you, I think you bring up a, a very, very important point, right? That that automation is great, except when it isn't, right? And and look, we we can automate uh, nearly like a hundred percent. I mean, we we have the ability to automate every representative, and we we do that for some clients in specific cases. But there are exceptions. You have to have an exception handling, right? option within the context and confines of all this because automation is only as good as what the humans who design it and there are going to be exceptions and and you mentioned the uh, second cycle cases uh, so so let's talk about that let's drill into that just a little bit so the the idea of going to to Pre-arbitration and, and ultimately arbitration is is something that most merchants stay completely away from because for for a few really practical reasons. Number one, uh, they don't have uh, uh, average transaction or chargeback value that justifies the potential expense, justifies the expense of going to arbitration, which can incur additional fees just for just for reviewing that case right one more time so that's number one so it's a very it's not very often that 
that merchants will go to arbitration, go all the way through, unless they have, say, a ticket value over a thousand, like if you have a very high end retailer and they have a lot at stake there, there's a good case for doing it. But here's the main thing you got to remember about the first cycle. So you have a presentment, right? The issuer sends the, the document they're presenting. Hey, we're just, we're, we're, we have a complaint here. Here's the chargeback. And then you have a representment. That representment has to be absolutely correct in every way. All of the rules have to be followed, the timelines, et cetera, et cetera. Because in the end, if you go to arbitration, and this is, this is in your automation design, you have to take this into consideration. All of those rules for timing, et cetera, et cetera, have to be maintained or you can get fined. You can win the case, but you can actually be fined for uh, a technical violation. So, so the design of the system and the person designing that system has to have the experience, the knowledge. They have to have a, a, just an encyclopedic understanding of the rules, the chargeback rules. And that's what we do here is this is all we do we don't do fraud pre-charge pre-authorization fraud you have to know every piece of this and you design your systems around that that's why i say that the biggest weakness of automated systems is really the 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 human input right that that's it i i read this study actually in in preparing for this so uh this 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 lady really lays out the paradox of automation, right? That's, that's actually a term, is that the more efficient the automated system, the more crucial the human contribution of the operators. Humans are less involved, but their involvement becomes more critical. What does that mean? It means that there's a multiplier effect on mistakes. You don't want that in the charge background. And so this is a critical point to understand when you're looking at designing or creating an automated process. You're better off, in my opinion, if you don't have the, the team and all that, you're, you're better off using a third party. And frankly, uh, most SMBs are not going to automate on their own. Why? Because the, the, the technical debt, the cost of implementation is very very high they're gonna they're gonna flinch at that especially at lower volumes yeah and Harlan, let me let me interrupt you because i said something and, and so I'm, I'm curious if what i said was right um aaron was asking do customers always receive a copy of their representment is is that is that something that varies from issuer to issuer or is that is that pretty much always uh, standard practice uh, well, I think I think the answer to that question is it depends, right? <laughs> As in all things, it it depends mm -hmm. on the issuer uh, that's involved. It probably depends on the customer. If the customer requests it, I'm pretty sure that they can get it. I don't know that they always will get it as a uh, we'll just say a uh, course. They'll they'll get a notification that it was was uh rejected or you know not not valid whatever that is i just think if they request it they can get it right so i didn't even really catch that you had said that but i i, th I think aaron probably is making a good point there you're, yeah you're, you're right i wasn't sure i i know that that um you know as a as a consumer i've only disputed one charge um where that was overturned and i received a copy of the the entire representment just 
you know, my bank sent it to yep. me. It's Bank of America. So um, yeah, cool. I imagine, and, I imagine it, me, it's, it's fairly you, common, but I don't know. You're right. I, I imagine it is probably a, an issuer by issuer thing. So, um, but but it is depending on what issuer. Many of them I know um, when when something's overturned, they provide either the entire representment or they they provide uh, uh, excerpts from it to in order to explain why yeah. they over. So, so what I will tell you, and I'll tell Aaron this as well, and thank you for your question, Aaron. Uh, what I will tell you is that as it, it, we always have in mind when we're, you know, creating re representments for automated representments, whatever they are, the the idea that the the cardholder may see this, and you mm -hmm. have to adopt or adapt your language so that that it's it's really factual it's not it's not and i think this is the salient point right we're we're not passing judgment on anybody we're just saying well here's the here's the data right here's mm -hmm. the data here's the story of the customer journey and and that's a great representment a great representment is not uh you know it has to be consumer friendly in terms of the language that's used i think that's the point yeah, it has to be de-escalating language. It can't, you, Correct. You, it can't. It can't be hostile towards the um, the cardholder. Okay. Correct. All right. So Correct. let's go to this again, next. Design, it, you know, designing your system. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's fine. Um, and, and we, because um, we're kind of talking about this stuff, and you know, we're not following the slides uh, perfectly close, but I, I think that's great. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, the lesson I think that you were driving at is that for a lot of instances a hybrid approach is going to be a, a good solution for definitely most SMBs, um, definitely most, um, you know, many enterprise merchants. Um, Can you talk a little bit about maybe our story? And because we, we have a really good case study uh, from the start of the company to, you know, where we are today with automation. And uh, that that was a process, and you know, and and I, and I think we have a, a unique perspective because because of the the process that we went through and, and the evolution that, that we've taken um, in this area. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right. I, uh, so the founders of our company actually began this journey uh, as merchants. They began the journey as online merchants. Uh, Spring billing. I mean, they 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 knew this space and they were very very successful at that. But they were being pummeled, as you can imagine, especially in the mid 2000s to 2010. They're being pummeled by chargebacks. Why? Because it was a fairly new issue, right? And all all that. Uh, but but in reality, the no one could help them back in the mid 2000s because again, we're we're in the early e-commerce stage right and all these chargeback things have been designed around point of sale and even going back way back into the 50s or late 50s where a chargeback was was pretty rare because the card was there the card holder was there so so that was a very manual process there but as things started to get digitized scale started happening and then there was this kind of overwhelming effect and our founders found themselves uh struggling with this well what happened well monica our our coo um she compiled she's i'm gonna learn this because no one could help her they paid a lot of money to 
uh, solve this problem. I'm going to solve this. I'm going to figure out all the rules. So she read all the rules. Now the rules were probably half what they are today, but she read all the rules for MasterCard, Visa, American Express, et cetera, et cetera. And then she said, I'm going to build processes around this, right? So I'm going to build a process where I can respond to these things and I can win these cases so my, I don't go out of business. Well, well that began the, the, the idea that, well, wait a minute, I need to automate some of this because uh, we're overwhelmed with tasks now. I'm just an entrepreneur and I'm trying to manage this other process that has nothing to do with my business. So she built the first iteration of two platforms. One is the platform that uh, that we use to automate the processes. And uh, we're way down many iterations on that. And many of our acquiring partners use that same tool to manage their millions of chargebacks. It's a very beautiful thing. And then there, of course, is the human process. So those two things were the bedrock before we ever became Chargebacks 911, the bedrock of starting this process. Fast forward to 2011, started winning a boatload of our own chargebacks and like winning big for ourselves. Our processor came to us and said, hey, you can help this guy over here and this lady over here and that company here and so on and so forth. So all of a sudden by 2012, we had so many clients who wanted this piece that uh, we closed the merchant business and we started on this. Why am I telling you all this? The hard work of learning the systems, learning the rules, building technology, building processes now informed. So we have many clients that automate 100%, 100% of their, their representments, 100%. We have API keys that we can get the data on the transaction, you know, those kind of things. And by the way, Shopify and these, these, uh, these uh, merchant platforms, it's easy to pull data from them because the, everything's there, right? So we can do a lot of this automated, but there always has to be, or I should say in 90% 90, 90 of the time you can automate everything, but there's gonna be an exception process. This gets to the heart of a hybrid approach. A hybrid approach is saying, yeah, we can automate 85, 90%, maybe even higher than that, but there's always going to be an exception process, right? That has to be available. And that exception process often involves uh, a human. And that might be as simple as deciding whether or not you're going to take a $1,500 transaction that came in as a chargeback. It, lost in the first round, became a, a second cycle chargeback, used to be called a second chargeback, but second cycle case, and now is in the pre-arb uh, sort of status. And yes, we want to try and get our money back. We think it's worth the risk of paying additional fees. So now what? Well, that there has to be, you know, sort of an assessment of the risk and the stakes and and then the go or no go on a on a going to arbitration. So so to me, there always is going to be, you, you can automate, yeah, in some cases, 100%, but there's always going to be exception. And so exception yeah. handling is a big part of this process. Yeah, I, th I think so too. And I, I, think, I think uniquely for us, the way that our automated systems are built are, they were built to emulate 
the things that we learned through a very painstaking manual process. Um, I mean, that's it, all the way, th things all the way down the line to, you know, specifically how individual issuing banks react to the presentation of information, right? So, so we, yep. we have enough data and we've been doing it long enough that we know that if a, if a credit card, if a cardholder is using a specific issuing bank, then we need to provide this information, even though it's not normally provided, we wouldn't provide it to another bank, but we know that bank um, really requires it and we win more cases when we include this specific piece of information. Um, we're not at a place, I don't think anybody's at, at a place where those types of lessons and that sort of human human process of understanding the intricacies of the, the chargeback systems, um, you know, that's not something that, that you can just automate away. Um, and so the value of the system that we've built is that it really does, it was built piece by piece and it wasn't built to be an automated system ultimately at, at first. It was built to automate no. small parts of back office things to make so that we could be more productive with, with, with a manual execution. And then eventually we got to the place where we could start to stitch some of this stuff together. And so, and so you know, now we're in a place where we have the ability with a very small amount of information from a merchant um, and then the ability to connect to the data sources um, that contain the rest of the information, we have the ability to compile cases in an automated format, either either through, and I guess we're, we'll talk about some of the ways that some of the services we offer customers. But I, I just think because there's, you know, every once in a while I see a new company that shows up and then disappears and they have, you know, fully automated systems. And it's just not knowing what I know about the complexity of the, the process and how long it took to build the logic that, that we have um, supporting our systems. Um, I just, I'm, I'm, I, I know that, that they're going to fall short and you're going to get a lot of really sort of incomplete cases. You're going to get a lot of cases that, that turn into second chargebacks and, and merchants may not know, may, you know, they don't, they, a lot of times they don't look at the second chargeback, but those, those tend to be the more expensive, um, uh, chargebacks that, that they're going to have to deal with. So, right. So, so I, I agree a hundred percent, you know, that, that it's, it's really that the, the, the process, right. Is something that you need to pay attention to when you're automating, but let's keep in mind that ultimately chargebacks are created by human beings. The decisions on whether to represent, go to, arbitration that's a human decision right the decision at the bank whether to uh to allow a dispute to go forward in the assessment process this is a super super human process and so when you add the human factor into an automated process that's where you get these exceptions that that's the bottom line Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I skipped a slide. There was a slide in there, but we're we're getting a little bit um, we're over the half hour mark. So I want to see if we can get to some of these questions. Um, this yeah. this last slide that we put together, I just want to talk a little bit about you know what our product is, or actually let Harlan talk a little bit about it. But um, you know, historically we've had what we've called the full service, and that's still I think the best option, especially for larger merchants or merchants that have that just want to offload all of this. Um, but we but we have some new products that are available through partners and um, in in select cases directly to uh, to merchants. 
Um, so could you talk a little bit about the um, the the chargeback portal? You know how that sort of a um, you know how that benefits merchants and and what the value is there, and then um, the case builder sort of how that works and how we're using automation to make. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. Uh, look, we're we're in the business of of assisting you know merchants but not just merchants we actually have customers throughout the life cycle of of the chargeback problem from issuers acquiring banks card brands um and and all the way through to the merchants we started out as a merchant we then sort of transitioned into helping merchants that was our first you know sort of piece of this and did this continued to do this but did it uh, effectively and and uh, then we saw the problem actually exists across the entire ecosystem so that just just to let you know so so the the, the merchant portal the chargeback portal that you see here is really uh, sort of I'll, I'll say there's there's two sides to uh, the same coin there's there's a, a SaaS or or self service version of this, which is what we're going to talk about here, where a merchant uh, can use this product. And we have some very, very large, large enterprise merchants that, that use this product to manage, uh, I'll call it workflow, workforce, and reporting, right? So it, it, it really is a matter of uh, bringing all the data and this is super important because we've talked about the manual work that has to be done by a, a merchant team where they go to the this portal, some the Amex, and then they go maybe to the WorldPay portal and they go to this, whatever. And they're actually pulling in all data, PayPal. I mean, you know, it can get crazy. They're doing all these systems. We do that for them. We pull all the data in. We uh, sort of automate the data uh, pull and data feed from their processors right so that that's uh, a, the first important st step then we normalize and standardize the data so that you know because the the amex data is going to be slightly different than the discover data and so on we normalize and standardize it across all of their payment uh, forms of payment so that when they go to the interface they can handle all the chargebacks they can see the reporting and it's in a unified, understandable, easy to use uh, GUI, right? Interface, user interface. Additionally, for SaaS clients, we have, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to talk to anybody and show them this, we have actually built what we call a dispute assistant, where we actually populate uh, and build the representment through an automated process, right? Using our internal um, AI tools that we've built. Um, ourselves we actually have no technology uh, that others have built we don't use others technology uh, we do have tools from the schemes and all that but any of our internal systems are all built by us but case builder is a beautiful beautiful example of automating the representment process by using tools robotics using apis using data feeds, all of that kind of thing, to build a representment that is uh, robust. It has all the right evidence for the right uh, uh, reason code, the compelling evidence and all that. And it, it brings together all the elements, including searching for additional uh, cases that the card has uh, filed. That 
filed under that card so that you can actually use that representment for other uh, other representments from the same card holder. And, and this is just one of many, many, many tools that we have for automating. We have automated onboarding for merchants. We have, we have tools, automation tools that can uh, sort of reduce the work uh, that is required for an internal chargeback team and increase the effectiveness of uh, what, what is ultimately delivered. Yeah, I think I, I think that's really good too. And I, you know, the, the case builder. Sometimes when I talk about the case builder, the case builder for the hybrid approach is you're the. It enables you to be the the uh, RoboCop, right? So so you you just verify, hey, this person's name is correct. This this is the correct order number. This is you know all of those things that are important to get right. That maybe you don't want to just let a a, a robot uh, make decisions about. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to review, but it pulls all the information and pre presents it to you and it compiles the case and does all of the hard part uh, for you. So, you know, we've done, Correct. we've spoken with clients that that went from, uh, you know, being able to to produce, you know, X amount of, of uh, uh, representments and they've been able to 10X the productivity of, of the people that review um, their cases. So, you know, it's it's a it's a great time saver. It's a great hybrid approach. Um, and then we have the fully automated and sort of the the full service approaches too. And and really the decision point there should be, um, you know, just speaking with with Harlan or one of one of our associates who can look at what your current situation is, and then and then you know figure out which of our solutions um, would would be beneficial to to your use case because. Trying to trying to deal with chargebacks, I think anywhere one of the things about chargebacks that's true in so many different ways is that that there's no one size fits all. <laughs> you know, no, that's it, right. You've you've got it figured out for one client and one merchant. You know, with one uh, uh, tech stack and one um, processor and, and this, you go to the next one and it's sort of a different situation. So, um, you know, being able to prescribe and say, well, you know, if you sell digital goods, then th this is the one that you look at. I, it's just not realistic. So that's one of the reasons why we have a diverse offering because we want to make sure that we can we can really help and uh, simplify the lives and uh, uh, recover more revenue for uh, as many merchants right. as possible. Right. So, I think I think the the most the most important thing that I would say about that is, look, if you're, we, we have large, large uh, technical companies, right, that, that they're not going to, they use our API, right? Let's just put it, we have one of the best, I would say it is the best API for for enterprise merchants to to uh, to uh, push representments. They're going to do all the work. They, they've got their own systems, right? That's one example of a very, very, very specific use case. It, it's not all merchants because not all merchants have all that the data in one place and they don't know how to get it and they don't know how to automate it and they don't have technical people. These tech companies do, right? So we provide tools for them, right? We provide tools so that, that on the, uh, I'll call it the implementation phase, uh, we can emulate and we can access data in an automated way uh, uh, for a merchant so they don't have to implement an API. And I can talk to anybody about that. We have web services. We have all kinds of kinds of tools that automate the process of chargebacks from the ingestion of the cases or even the pre-chargeback uh, ingestion, right? 
So like uh, tools like uh, Order Insight or even our own internal prevention tools in the pre-chargeback state, but also as the, the cases come in to get the, the data from CRMs and all that. So we can automate all of those processes, which is why if you have a scale problem, you want to come to someone like us who has tools and we have tools that can manage for every type of merchant all right so the, the first question that we had um, uh, Sanit wanted to know what are the biggest challenges experienced after automating the chargeback process processes what um, what, what would you say is the biggest pain point well I, look I think them I don't know that I would I think the, what I would say is the most important step in automating the process, if you're going to automate, you know, especially try and automate 100%, is to map the data, right? To get the data right, to understand, okay, uh, what are the data points we need, right? <laughs> Where is that data located and how do we get that, right? So, so the pain points of, of automating, if you will, to his to the question, it starts with right understanding the data. What is it? Where is it? How do we get it? Right. And so I've talked a little bit about APIs, RPT, uh, web services, all that. Where is it? How is it? What is it? And how do we get get it? Uh, so if you do the right job there, and your AI, your automation tools, your machine learning, whatever it is, is designed well, right? The 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 pain points are minimal, if any, and it really depends on the human factor again, right? Now we're talking about arbitration problems, right? Are they going to go to arbitration? What, what do we do with that? How do we handle exceptions? How do we, all of those things are very, very common. And I would say that uh, in the automation process, you just have to have uh, a very, very good design and then deal with the exceptions on the back end and and again if you're doing it yourself design it well so you have fewer exceptions yeah uh, yeah i think all, all that makes sense i think also too something that's important to point out is because you kind of you kind of forget about it but um you know making sure that your manual systems within your business uh are all standardized um and what i mean by that so the the easiest example that that comes to my mind right now is your customer service. So if you have customer service and, uh, you know, sometimes the, 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 the request will come in via chat, sometimes they'll come in by phone. You just have to make sure all of that information makes it into a centralized location and is accessible uh, by the, the automated chargeback system because all of those little touch points are important and those are the places where you would get the evidence that you would need to overturn a, a, a dispute. Um, so making sure that your operational systems are standardized and buttoned up and uh, uh, create reliable, consistent results so that the information is available to the, to the systems is a challenge I think that a lot of mer merchants or a lot of um, companies underappreciate. And it could be something simple like, you know, maybe the chat is in a totally separate system. So you don't, you know, 30% or half of your customer service engagement isn't in the, the CRM where the, the chargeback system has, has the ability to access. So, um, right. And, and I think 
to that point, it, it goes back to what I said. What data we need? Where is it? Where is it? That's what you're really talking about here. And so my my uh, the way we approach this is is in the discovery phase as we start work working through the the technical piece of this. We're going to ask those questions, right? Where is it? And at that time, you do find a lot of companies that say, ah, it's on a spreadsheet somewhere, you know, whatever the data point is. That becomes, can become a blocker to automation because it, it's not, you know, it's not automatable at that, at, at the stage that they're at. So there is the discovery phase that, that has to take place. And again, that is a pain point, but it's in the pre-automated stage rather than through the process. Okay, are chargeback prevention alerts worth it <laughs> to avoid double refunds as they can verify? Okay, look, let's let's be very 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 clear about something. We we uh, we work with both Ethic and Verify now, uh, Mastercard and Visa uh, own those two, and and I think it depends, just like everything else, it depends. Um, if if you have a let's let's just call it out that if you have have a uh, a product that you're selling for nine dollars and ninety nine cents every month, and the ethic alert because you're a tier two is going to be twenty five dollars. Uh, if you refund it, uh, you're underwater, right? So is it worth it? I think it depends. Now, if you have if you have a, a higher higher ticket value or transaction value on average, say. $95 or $99.99, yeah, it's probably worth it. Uh, you're going to save on uh, something like uh, uh, chargeback fees. And if they, if your processor in high risk, especially has a representment fee, you know, you could be talking about 25 plus 15, you're, you're already 40 bucks just to get the dispute and respond to it. You lose it, you're out those things. So yeah, in a lot of respects, you're better off refunding it. So it depends. To avoid yeah. double refunds. Yeah, sorry, I don't want so, to interrupt. Um, yeah, we're getting out of time. I, yeah, we're no, we're getting out of time, but I just wanted to, to, to make sure we touch on the point because I'm not sure, maybe it's just the way Bobby phrased the question, but, um, but there are, you know, Ethic and Verified, there are other types of prevention tools, right? So the, so the traditional CDRN alerts, you know, there's there's a whole new suite of stuff. So, um, Bobby, if if you're if you haven't had a conversation with uh, uh, somebody at Chargeback 911 in, um, you know, I'd say a year or more, um, it's definitely you know, please reach out. We're happy to walk you through some of the new tools because some of them are a little bit more no-brainers um, for different reasons. So, um, you, yeah, some some sometimes alerts there's a benefit to them but there's some other prevention sort of pre-chargeback prevention uh tools that are available to merchants now that um that don't have some of the the consequences or some of the downsides that um the the old school legacy alerts have so um you know right. reach out we'll walk you through that and uh, take a look at what your situation is and you know if if it doesn't make sense we'll let you know we're not going to not going to encourage you to uh utilize a tool that doesn't write for your business I agree with that. Under that would be uh, order insight and uh, acquire collaboration. We mm -hmm. we we certainly have uh, uh, yeah. We certainly know those tools. We have customers that are uh, preventing, not refunding, but preventing up to you know. Well, anyway, a significant 
percentage. Right. You got to be careful when you when you say percentages, but right. um, but yeah, 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 a significant percentage. And then even RDR, um, which has the refund mechanism in it, but but it has a little bit more sort of rules and controls so that that you're not um, you know you're you're not doing it in instances where it wouldn't make sense for your business. So. Um, okay, well, right. Harlan, I'm, I'm gonna. There's some more questions, but we're gonna. I'm gonna. We've got three minutes at the top of the hour, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one that has a a two o'clock that uh, could. Use I've got a two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so thank you everyone for joining us today. I, I ho hopefully we were able to cover this topic uh, pretty well. But at any time, and I will. Let's see if I can swing back real quick, all the way up to the beginning, just real quick. I'll put. Um, um, our email address is back up there. If uh, if you have any additional questions or just want to complain about today's webinar, if you want to complain, please email Harlan Hudson. That's right. That's right. If you have any Appreciate questions, you can also there. email Harlan Hudson. If you, if you have a good uh, dad joke, you can email me. I'd be happy to hear it. That's uh, that'll make my day. Thank if you guys you for joining us. Um, thank you, Harlan, for uh, helping me uh, cover this topic today. Um, till next time. Bye, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it, and thank you, Jared.